your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I am Josh Hyman and Tommy is still on the disabled list with his tonsillitis, but we got the next best thing. We got Gabe Foley joining us on today's episode. What's up, Gabe? How you doing? I'm good, man. This has been a long time coming. I've known I've known you and Tommy and Joey for, I mean, since like 2015. Yeah. So we we finally got it. Finally got me on. Sad mm-hmm. Tommy can't be here. I got some big mm-hmm. shoes to fill, but you do. I'm you excited. do. If you guys saw, I mentioned it on a couple episodes ago. Uh, Gabe's actually got some some inside scoop on the the Tarasenko rumors that I've been talking about. So we're gonna be getting into that, and as well as just various thoughts about the Blues offseason and just having a good time with it. But before we get into that, just want to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join me and Tommy whenever he's feeling better to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, Gabe, let's not dance around it. Everyone knows why you're here. You, you had a tweet that, that got a lot of people's attention. You mentioned that these uh, these Tarasenko trade rumors, these Tarasenko leaving the Blues rumors, might not might not be just rumors. There might be a little bit of weight to that. So t- tell us tell us what you've heard. I first heard about Tarasenko maybe get moved about a month ago, and I wrote it off right away. I was like, "There's no way it's Vladdy Tarasenko. We're not going to lose Petrangelo and Tarasenko. Like, no way it's going to happen." But a couple weeks ago, a buddy that I'm real close to, he knows this stuff. He reached out to me. And he mentioned one team, mentioned one team around the Tarasenko rumors that really stuck out to me. And I, I ragged on him for a, a while about it. I said, there's no way that's happening. That's way too big. No way the Blues would do that. But it kind of stuck in my mind, kind of stuck in my mind. So I reached out to another source I have that I talked to about a bunch of different things before. And he said, yeah, I mean, it might be a possibility. And that's Tarasenko. Going to the Seattle Kraken, oh, baby. Is that like a trade that you've heard, or or leaving him exposed? What were the what are the details, if you have any? So it's been real cloudy. Um, I I think this is something that there have been a few talks about, but nothing solid. But what I'm hearing really makes it sound like he's being exposed. Um, he might get exposed in exchange in exchange for draft considerations. Uh, you know, I don't know if the second overall or the seventeenth overall picks are at play at all. But with you just giving us all deal, the sound bites, you you have to imagine that there's something out there. Um, yeah, and the ramifications for the Blues expansion draft. If Tarasenko is, you know, a deal is made, a deal is struck, and the Blues are able to keep guys like Blay and Sunquist and. Barbashev and Sanford, all those guys we were worried about leaving. There's big news coming with the Blues in some capacity. On top of Tarasenko to Seattle being a potential deal, you know, Vince Dunn, always in trade rumors, always in trade rumors. He was in all of them last summer. He was in them at the deadline. He's back in them now. So the Doug Armstrong recognized what this team needed. He recognized that change might be the move. And He's doing what he can to rec- or to you know fulfill that. A lot of fluidity in these talks. Um, nothing certain. I can't speak to packages or anything like that. Um, and I, for Dunn, I can't even speak to teams. Uh, 
you know, the Sanders were a team around him last summer, but they got Mete at the deadline. And so they're not really worried about it anymore. Um, it, it's a bunch of crazy stuff going on. Armstrong's a smart GM. He's, he's so not smart. Afraid to take risks. Everyone knows he, he's such a confident guy. You know, he's, he's Team Canada's go-to guy now and stuff. Everyone knows that. And so he doesn't approach any trade with, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to get. The only trade that I've been around for that he's made like that was the Fabry for Della Rose trade. And that obviously has uh, special circumstances, sort of just getting getting Fabry exactly, in a new environment. Exactly. He wanted Fabry to get better playing time. He knew the role that the Blues needed, and he said, all right, let's make it happen. I think that deal, that deal happened in like an evening. Yeah. It was so fast. Um, but other than that, the Roar deal took weeks. The Falk deal took at least a few days. So... Armstrong's a guy that loves testing the waters, getting a trade market. And with Dunn and Tarasenko both on the market, I mean, he's going to have a busy summer, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for a while now that there are just so many different avenues of ways that you could upgrade this team. And and, and it kind of, the stars are kind of aligning with the sense that it definitely feels like this team is in need of a bit of an overhaul and, and a bit of a upgrade, whether it be, you know, a left winger or a solid number one defenseman or whatever route that they need to take this offseason definitely has a lot more opportunity than that or opportunity than than a typical offseason given the fact that you know there is the expansion draft and the fact that the blues are picking you know above 25 for what feels like the first time in a decade so there's there's a lot of um like you said moving parts this offseason a lot of different routes that i think the blues could take and I'm, i'm curious to think if you had to make a prediction like where that move would come. Um, I want to get into that, but first I want to want to cut away and take a word from our sponsor really quick, and that is Wealthfront. Now, decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every single year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. So team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, No watching the stock market every single day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you set. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, so grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash Lockdown NHL to start growing your savings. That's Wealthfront.com slash Lockdown NHL to get started today. And when we return, we'll be picking Gabe's brain about where these needed upgrades may come from and what he thinks this team could do to improve heading into next season. Don't go anywhere. All right, Gabe. So besides the Tarasenko rumors, besides the obvious, the Vince Dunn moves or whatever, there's, I think, three or four big, big avenues that the Blues could, could take to, to upgrade this team. It could be expansion draft, like getting some, some something in exchange for Tarasenko. It could be free agency. It could be the entry draft that they were to maybe move up or package their pick, or it could be a trade. If you had to, had to put money down, if you had to to, to make a bet on, on which which avenue the Blues would be pushing for most, most strongly? What would you think they'd do? What I know about the Tarasenko rumors, I think it's got to be the expansion draft. Um, 
And I think this is, you know, Seattle doesn't have anything to offer right now. They don't have players or anything. So they're they got one, they got bargaining one player, chips. I think. They Maybe have two. one player. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> but, you know, their bargaining chips are draft picks right now. Uh, it feels like such a Doug Armstrong thing to get, like, a hot, super high-end draft pick and flip it in two hours um, for some star or something. I know you're talking about a Kachuk deal yesterday on yesterday's episode. Um, could totally see that, right? It just feels like something he'd do. Uh, Armstrong's so aggressive and stuff. So I think, I mean, if there's any weight to these Tarasenko rumors, um, my sources have all said it could go either way, and Armstrong's trying to be smart about it. But it's got to be the expansion draft coming in. Um, as for free agency, future trades, uh, and the NHL draft, uh, the people I know around all three of those different avenues have all told me the same thing over and over and over. And that's that this team is doubling down on Craig Berube. This is a team that knows exactly what got them the cup in 2019. They know what they need out of the lineup. Um, and I think we've seen glimpses of that, you know, with the Bennington signing and with Sanford's deployment and even the draft last year with guys like Jake Neighbors, who is pretty much the next Robert Thomas, and uh, Dylan Peterson, who's massive. I think he's like 6'5", mm-hmm. or 6'4", my bad. But this is a team that wants size, they want grit, and they want Garubi to stick around for quite a bit. That's interesting because you kind of just squashed the entire conversation that I brought up on yesterday's episode. But I, I do think the question is still there. Um, and you know, I know you said they're doubling down on Ruby, but in your opinion, do you think that the coaching staff needs a little bit of alteration in their approach to this team? Because I think that we saw that, you know, putting all of your eggs into the physicality and two way play basket wasn't as successful as it has been in the past. So, do you think that there does need to be a little bit of change in approach, whether it be new assistance, just new attitude, whatever it may be in terms of transitioning this team into a little bit more of a skill-based unit? I totally do. Uh, you know, you mentioned it really well yesterday saying that just some small new faces um, could could be the entire difference, whether that's personnel or on the bench. I totally agree. Um, you know, look what the Blues did with Mark Savard as their power play coach. Yeah. They had one of the best power plays in the league. Looked absolutely dynamic on offense. And it's because they had a coach that wasn't so focused on grit and trying to play physical and playing old school. Uh, Savard's such a an innovative, offensively gifted coach. Um, and the Blues thrived under him. So I definitely think getting a new face like that would help this team out a ton. And what's interesting is the Blues kind of, I mean, I haven't heard anything recently. What I heard was after Ralph Kruger got fired in Buffalo, Steve Ott was a candidate to fill no the head coaching role. Steve Ott going back to Buffalo. Now, <laughs> like, it's Steve Ott. Uh, Buffalo is Buffalo. That is you know, true. Take it, I don't know how many other teams would be looking at Steve Ott as their head coach. But he was a name going around, and so... You know, they're moving pieces on the Blues bench, too. And I definitely think that if they lose someone like Ott, uh, you have to fill him in with with an offensively-minded, 
speed-focused guy like Savard was. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about, you know, impending changes this offseason, I think, like you just mentioned, it, it goes beyond just players and personnel because I don't think that, besides like a few holes, I think that as much of a struggle for the Blues this year was just their style of play, and they clearly could not keep up with Colorado. As much as Colorado was head and shoulders the better team, it it just looked like everything that the Blues tried was would work for one shift, and then Colorado would adjust. And not to say that you know Berube and his staff weren't good at making adjustments, but we saw it with Mike Hoffman, we saw it with Zach Sanford, we might have even seen it with Vince Dunn a little bit that certain guys are getting uh, utilized incorrectly and and maybe aren't being fully taken advantage of because of that style of play. So I definitely agree that um, a change in the personnel and like the coaching staff could could do wonders for certain players that we thought maybe you know weren't as good as they may have been. Like look at the turnaround of Justin Falk. Um, there's no reason to believe that if Mike Hoffman were to be back next season, we couldn't see something similar. And and he was already, at, you know, I, I spoke his praise the second half of the season. I think he was great for us as much as he wasn't what Berube might have wanted and, you know, wasn't that two-way player that maybe a lot of fans wanted. He scored a heck of a lot of goals and, and a full season of that could be fun to watch or, you know, another guy like him bringing us someone else like that that doesn't necessarily fit the stereotypical blue style but can just make a difference. You know, we say... We've been saying a lot in the past few episodes that the Blues need a game breaker, someone that can just go out and take over a game. And that's not necessarily going to be someone that is going to perfectly fit into a coaching style, but it's going to be someone that can get you goals, get you points, and win you some hockey games. So It's weird seeing Falk now. Uh, you know, I, I sat down about a year ago. I sat down with some of the brightest minds in hockey, some of the people I trust most. Um, I even reached out to like, former AHL coaches and stuff. I, I was doing everything I could to answer, you know, I, I was reaching out to Evolving Wild, mm-hmm. uh, the Twins. I mean, everyone to try and answer, why does Justin Falk suck for the Blues now? I, I wrote <laughs> I wrote a piece on it for St. Louis Game Time last summer. I said, Blues need to buy out Justin Falk. And I, was, I, I wrote that article because all of these people that I talked with, they said, I don't know. They had no clue why Falk was struggling so much. And uh, now he's back in that kind of the number one role, you know, back to being one of the top defensemen for his team. And he's a stud again. And I'm dumbfounded. The people I know can't explain it. But I that turnaround was awesome. And so, yeah, if we could see that out of, you know, Hoffman, uh, Jaden Schwartz even, guys like that, I, it's totally possible with this Blues team. Yeah. This Blues team's so unique in that way. So it could totally happen. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we seen it a lot, not just Justin Falk. We saw it with Mike Hoffman a little bit this year as well. Even even Ryan O'Reilly, like as, as good as he was at the beginning, that, that playoff push and, and that stretch towards the end, he turned into a different animal. And, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on sort of the flip side of that, a guy like Jordan Cairo, who started out the season hot, but never really saw his ice time climb above... 12th on the forwards list throughout the entirety of his his hot stretch and you know I think it was very unsustainable just looking at that ice time and looking at his point production it would have been silly to think oh yeah he can do that all year on 13 minutes of ice time so when we come back from this break I'm curious to think of of, of sort of the younger guys you know Jordan Cairo being a guy that sort of slowed down at the end of the season and Robert Thomas a guy who I think just an entirety of the season was 
a bit of a disappointment and kind of underperformed expectations. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. But before we do, I want to tell everyone about our good friends over at Built Bar. Gabe, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, of course you know about Built Bar. Of, of course. course. Nine delicious <laughs> flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. They got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. But if you don't know which one you want, if you can't pick them out, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, but the reason why I love them so much is they're healthy too. Along with filling you up, getting that protein, you're also only getting 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. That's the average bar. Some of them have a little more, some of them have a little less, depends on the flavor you get. But don't miss out anymore. Go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. When we return, we'll be wrapping this episode up by talking about some of the younger guys on the Blues and maybe talking about how they might be included in a potential trade package if we were to go after a big fish. So don't go anywhere. So two big young players on this team have been for the past few years. You know, I've been watching them rise through the ranks. I know, Gabe, you're a big fan of prospects, so you, they've probably been on your radar for years at this point. Um, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Robert Thomas has looked like a guy that's been waiting to take that next step for a while. Didn't really do it this year. Some could argue he took a step back. Um, you know, not I wouldn't say I'm concerned because he's still so young, but definitely a, a topic that needs to be addressed there. And then Jordan Cairo, like I said, that that torrid pace he had at the beginning of the season, still never really maintaining a significant amount of ice time. So what what do you expect out of those two next year? Do you think that there's any sort of do you think that either of their seasons was an anomaly in the sense that was Jordan Cairo's season too good to be true? Was Robert Thomas' season too bad to be true? What do you think? I, I don't even know where to start with those two. Uh, yeah, you're right. They've been on my radar, radar for forever. I actually thought Cairo was going to be the better of the two for years, and then Thomas made the NHL and proved me wrong right away. Um, but it goes back to what you said today, what you said in the last episode and the last few episodes. Uh, Baruby was different mm-hmm. this year. I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that he wasn't bad per se. I mean, some people will argue that and some people have, but he was definitely different. And so when I look at Robert Thomas this season, I don't see a player that struggled. I see a player that was finding his own way under a, I mean, almost a new coach, really. Baruby's deployment changed up and his grit. Um, on the forecheck was emphasized even more. And I feel like Thomas's style really changed this season because of it. Um, he was playing the perimeter way more. He was actually one of the leaders in the NHL in passes from the board to the slot. He's just such a unique player and he found a new groove this season. And so I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm not worried. This is Robert Thomas. He can do anything and everything. And, you know, I, I think he was just finding a new lane this year. Okay. Uh, as for Kairou, I don't I don't know what to think about Kairou now. Um, Kairou looks a bit out of place on a Blues roster with guys like Sanford on it, who you know, love Sanford, but he's slow, just so slow. And then you got Kairou, who's probably one of the fastest players in the league if you really put them all up. Yeah, I remember, I remember uh, an article 
from back when he was still in Sarnia comparing, saying his skating was second to only Connor McDavid, which really, I, I believe it. The guy's fast. And that's, that's where his points came from. I mean, he was just dashing down the ice, beating guys like, like Petrangelo, beating Petrangelo on the rush. And what a goal. That should be framed somewhere. Uh, but Cairo is a guy that if Tarasenko goes, I don't want Tarasenko to go. Uh, I'm such a truther for Tarasenko, and I was the same way with Petrangelo. But, man, Tarasenko leaving, if Cairo stepped up into that first-line role, First line right wing, and if we got a game changer on left wing, he's a guy that could go far. Like he could do so much. Yeah, I, he did cool down a bit. I think it was just bad deployment, honestly. I mean, he was starting to get featured on that fourth line a bit, which was you know strange for me. So I, I don't think either of them necessarily struggled. I think they were finding their footing in a bit of a weird year. So I, I still have full faith in both of them to be the future faces of this Blues team, honestly. You know, having, having Kairou have the start that he did, you know, but but that coupled with the ice time that he was having, you know, I don't think that there was really any point where Berube looked at him and said, all right, you're going to be the, the guy this year. You know, look, even the games when he was putting up three points, he was playing 13 minutes. And and part of me is frustrated with that. And part of me says like, come on, I, I wish we could have played him more. I wish we could have seen that. But then the other part of me is like, Oh my goodness, what happens when Jordan Kyrie becomes a 16, 17, 18, 20 minutes a night player? You know, if whether it's getting earning Ruby's trust or whether it's, you know, picking up his picking up his play a little bit in the defensive end, which again, likewise earning Ruby's trust or getting a little bit more power play time, whatever it may be, he definitely seems like a guy that was only scratching the surface at the beginning of the year. And yeah, maybe it was a little unsustainable, but again, you look at that ice time, you look at his deployment, like you said it would have been unrealistic to expect anything more out of him. And honestly, he still exceeded, I think, everyone's expectations. It's just he came out of the gate so hot that everyone was like, oh, yeah, he'll maintain this all year for sure. And when he didn't, it, it was it was almost a little bit of a letdown, which is so unfair to him because if you told me at the beginning of the season that he would have the point totals that he had, regardless of how he got them, I think everyone, every Blues fan would be like, wow, Kyrie had a great year this year, you know? So it, it's it's one of those things where <laughs> we got a little got a little greedy I think with, with his play, but like, I think like you said, two guys that can be the face of this team moving forward and a Tarasenko departure would open a lot of doors for a lot of players on this team. I think completely agree. And you mentioned how they could be used in a trade package. Uh, I'll touch on it briefly. I don't want to eat into that too much because I haven't heard any truth behind that, but both of them were mentioned in the Ryan O'Reilly. Oh my God. I Um, dude, I remember (laughs) it might've been a few days before the actual deal took place that some verified account tweeted out confirmed Ryan O'Reilly to St. Louis, Cairo going the other way, or maybe it was Thomas, but there was a good 24 hours when all of blues nation. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. And then the O'Reilly trade happens and there's a good 25 minutes of just no return announced nothing. So like part of me was freaking out. Like we got Ryan arrived, but then the other part of me was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, oh my God, it's going to be Thomas and Kairu and Picks. And then it was anything but. And then it was Tage Thompson. Oh my God. Mr. Pigeonhole himself. Yeah. I mean, that's, but you know, looking back on that, that's why I'm I'm confident in Doug Armstrong. And, and, you know, I, I don't remember how that rumor initially got shut down, but I'm pretty sure someone just straight up asked him like, you know, what's the deal? He's like, oh, no, Robert Thomas is untouchable or Cairo's untouchable. And he told Botterill that. He said, no, I'm not doing this deal. If you don't 
if you want those two players, I, I'm going to walk away. And Botterill was under so much pressure from the Sabres ownership that he just took what he could get. It was a messy deal, but I mean, especially an Eichel deal that you mentioned, you know, if, if an Eichel deal is to be struck, I, I wouldn't rule out either of them being mentioned. Uh, but at the same time in the past, Armstrong has, you know, just went to battle for both of them and used his, his power and his name to say, no, these are my boys and I'm keeping them. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. And then you got guys like Neighbors who, if Thomas leaves, we're going to see Jake Neighbors in the NHL in a year or two. And I think he's going to be the same thing. So how does that impact it? You know, it's, it's all messy and crazy. The blues are, we're going to have a fun summer. I know that. Yep. Yep. Fun, chaotic, scary, stressful, but fun for sure. Blues Twitter. Oh my dude. Don't even get me started. Anything is chaotic. Yeah. The Jake, the, the Jake Allen days of blues Twitter. Good times. Good time. Even the Jordan Bennington days recently. Oh, dude, I, I haven't even been. I've been staying away. Uh, love lose Twitter, but <laughs> there are certain there are certain arguments that I don't even want to begin to dip into. But I think we're reaching the end of this episode. So before we wrap this one up, Gabe, I'm going to give you the floor is yours. Plug your socials. Plug whatever you want to plug. You got it. All right. Everyone can follow me on Twitter at NHL Foley. I also write regularly for St. Louis Game Time. One of the leading blue sites out there. We used to have the game day newspaper, and unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. But all of our contents moved to the website. So check me out on stlouisgametime.com. Or if you're interested in my NHL draft work over at Rex, recruitscouting.com. Uh, just recently joined Rex Scouting. Love the guys over there. It's been a blast. So check me out on any three of those platforms. Hopefully, a lot of good. Good drama here to come. And we've got it covered here for you every single day on the Lockdown Blues podcast. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button whenever podcast platform you're listening to. That way you never miss a new upload. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at Lockdown Blues. Follow me on Twitter and Locker Room at Josh Hyman NHL. Follow Tommy on Twitter and Locker Room at TWelcher15. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much, Gabe, for joining us. Make sure you guys check him out. He's got great stuff. He's the smartest hockey guy I know. That's why we got him on here today. So thanks so much, Gabe. Definitely check him out. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your weekend. And as always, let's go Blues.